This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. The Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is the perfect gift or addition to a small gathering. The Home Bar makes over 30 drinks from cosmopolitans to old fashions at the push of a button. Just insert the pod, press start, and enjoy. Each Drinkworks pod contains real ingredients and premium spirits. For a limited time, get $50 off the Home Bar with promo code HOLIDAY. Go to drinkworks.com to order now. Drinkworks. Press play. Keurig is a registered trademark of Keurig Green Mountain, Inc., used under license. Please enjoy responsibly. You don't need to understand how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES. To feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practice. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. Here's the scenario. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your Samson Folk. Today detailing for you the Raptors 112-99 win over the Detroit Pistons. This game was in Detroit. A lot of Raptors made the trip. Well, not Raptors. Raptors fans, I should say, made the trip down to Detroit to cheer the Raptors on. It was a talking point for the broadcast that the noise in the arena kept being pumped in to drown all the Raptors fans out, which is a cool thing. Also kind of lame that they do drown them out, but also very cool that it exists at all, that that has to be a thing. And a statement on how well the Raptors fans travel. Nothing like that would happen in Toronto, at least I, I can't remember anything like that. The Raptors have always had pretty great friends, so just uh, wanted to highlight that. But the Raptors, a pretty good game for them in this one. And even though things were a bit wayward defensively in the first quarter, they did recapture their top five defense. I think it's top three right now. But they, I thought it was a really good game for the Raptors. Really, really strong game for OG Ananobi. Siakam, Lowry, and Ibaka in particular. I did the quick reaction tonight, and I gave all of them A-pluses, and I thought that that was well-deserved for all of them. OG kind of kicked things off early. Of course, Lowry was involved in a lot of the bucket getting from OG Ananobi in this one, but OG really killing the Pistons for some wacky defense. He had three dunks in the first six minutes of the game, and Dwayne Casey called the timeout to try and fix that. The Raptors not giving up as easy of looks, but also allowing quite a bit of penetration and really deep post-ups for the Pistons early on. Drummond, 
Griffin both making their way, their way deep into the post and trying to command the offense from there. Doing a pretty good job getting the Pistons out to a decent offensive start. I thought that Gasol was doing a pretty great job on Drummond, keeping him at bay, at least on the offensive glass, and keeping him far out of the post. But he did pull up lame, and it was reported that he had a hamstring injury. That's really bad news for the Raptors. Not super devastating for this game, and that's a credit to OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. In particular, I thought they did a great job of switching freely on Blake Griffin and a pretty good job of doubling. Griffin is a really good passer, so he was able to pass around some of the scheming that the Raptors did throw at him. He did create some good looks early on, but I thought the Raptors in particular, OG and Siakam, like I said, did a good job of stymieing his specific offense and keeping him at bay. And that's that's one of the features of the Raptors' defense is that a lot of the times on the three or the four, whatever the team has that's better, OG and Pascal, they'll be able to switch freely and they'll be able to stymie a lot of what that player likes to do. Big feature of the Raptors' defense and glad to see it in this game. Nurse, after the Gasol injury, did go to Ibaka to stop Drummond. And there was an initial shock that um, Drummond was having his way for a little bit. That did come around. Ibaka had an immensely fantastic game. He was really, really good in this one. But Nurse did opt to go kind of small in this game as opposed to going big, maybe trying to insert Boucher. But Boucher only played six minutes in this one. Nurse actually choosing to go with a lineup of OG Ananobi at the four, Rondé House Jefferson at the five, which is interesting because Jefferson, it seemed, did lose his minutes to Boucher. I talked about this on the last Reaction podcast, but he had a, a, a tough stretch of games, and that meant that Boucher was getting some of his minutes. Rondé House Jefferson had captured everybody's hearts, the fans especially early on, or earlier on in this year, I should say. He's been a fantastic energy guy and kind of captures what Raptors fans really like in a role player, so it was a bit jarring to see him removed from the lineup for a couple games, but in this one, he made his return. It wasn't a super great game for him, but he played well enough to warrant more minutes for himself, and maybe this wasn't the game for Boucher. I know Boucher did struggle a little bit the last time he was matched up with Drummond. Maybe that was taken into consideration. I'm not super sure, but I would have been happy with either Hollis Jefferson or Boucher getting minutes in this game. Jefferson, obviously the one who ended up with them. And the Raptors, they, they were a little bit laissez-faire with the ball. In the opening part of the game, they they had a few too many turnovers in the first quarter and supercharged the Pistons' offense at times so that they were getting runouts. And the Raptors, you know, they had trouble keeping up with that. But they did they did go into the break 30-29 up. And in the second quarter, I think that's where we saw Kyle Lowry really take control of the Raptors and lead them into the fray in this one because he was doing a lot of the work offensively and great work defensively every time the Pistons were getting a run out. You saw that. Guess who's back on defense? It was usually a collection of two or three Raptors, but always, always Kyle Lowry, always being heady in that way, always reading the play correctly so he could be helping on defense and getting back. But offensively, really being able to get back to that pick and roll game or pick and pop game with Serge Ibaka, playing really good offense with the bench unit, which is that happened last game as well. I addressed it. It's it's been really nice to see him recapture the form of Lowry plus bench. Those units and Lowry and OG in particular had a great stretch with the bench unit and being able to help those guys and draw a lot of attention from the defense, being able to drive and kick, 
OG Ananobi in particular being able to draw a double near the baseline, Patrick McCaw making a backdoor cut, getting a dunk. Really nice to see those things happening. OG Ananobi earlier in the game being able to take Blake Griffin off the dribble, both, you know, a, a development for OG Ananobi, but also, you know, <laughs> maybe Blake Griffin needs to be better. But OG being able to get to the rim seemingly at will for the first half in this game. Really cool to see. There was a lot of weird refing that went on in this one. I think four technical f- fouls were called in this one. It Terrence Davis had a for sure dunk on a runout that Andre Drummond both pushed him on the hip while he was going up and slapped his arm. Objectively, definitely fouled him, and it wasn't called. The Pistons, they got, I think, four straight whistles in one half-court possession, and the Raptors got a tech. That was on Kyle Lowry, and it seemed like unless Kyle Lowry was saying truly heinous things, maybe he shouldn't have gotten one. That was the opinion of the broadcast crew, and I'm certainly they're biased as well as watching Matt and Jack, but it is usually they can tell, well, maybe I shouldn't be putting my... <laughs> they're definitely biased, but usually the commentators have... A better idea of how far a player can go before they get a tech because they're closer to the sound they hear more of what happens on the court so if jack is saying oh i'm surprised you know that kyle he got a, a tech for that then i'm gonna be surprised too a little bit because like i said they have more exposure and they probably have a better idea of what constitutes a technical foul having called so many games and seeing a more you know just more exposure to the ref and player interactions and that was in the midst of the second quarter and that was the Raptors definitely had a really weird stretch with the Raptors this was this was before the Raptors broke off a big run and this was (laughs) before there was a technical foul called on Andre Drummond and they called the technical foul shortly before Kyle Lowry hit a pull-up three in which the Raptors had numbers in transition Obviously, Jack and Matt lamenting about it, talking about and referencing Mark Davis, letting the other team finish in transition, letting them see out their opportunity, kind of playing the advantage like in soccer or football, however you call it, but playing the advantage, seeing how the team does with it, then making the call. It's an interesting thing and something that I think good refs do, just like early parts of the game. If there's a bump on a rebound, you call it off the team that gave the bump instead of calling a foul just so guys can play and the game can flow more freely. The refs really did gum up a big part of the second quarter, but the Raptors able to break free of that and able to go on a run. Kyle Lowry hitting a triple, lots of guys getting runouts, Siakam getting to the rim, Siakam hitting from spot-up opportunities. It was just nice to see, and the Raptors were able to kind of break the game open at that point. The Pistons were hanging close. The Raptors had a ton of foul trouble. Ibaka had a lot of fouls. OG had a lot of fouls. It was just the Raptors looked like they might have kind of a bit of trouble working around that. Christian Wood was eating them alive on the inside. And so the Raptors, after that happened, Ibaka came back in. The Raptors were able to fix a lot of what was going on. They went on a run, and they went to the second half. Things were pretty good at that point in time. And the second half, I thought, was the Serge Ibaka show and the Kyle Lowry show in particular. Like, there was some, there was a mix of Pascal Siakam shot making and definitely a mix of OG Ananobi shot making a little bit. But my God, Ibaka and Lowry really took this baby home. 
and maybe evidenced by Ibaka, the work he put in on the offensive glass in the early part of the third quarter when the Pistons were trying to make a run and the Raptors had a bit of a drought offensively to start the third quarter. I think they went nearly three minutes or four minutes without scoring the basketball, without hitting a field goal, I should say. And Ibaka was getting them so many extra possessions. He was getting to the line, and he was doing that against Drummond and Griffin as well. So it's not that easy a front court to penetrate and dominate on the glass, but Ibaka was doing it. Really set the tone for the Raptors for the rest of the game, just being able to body the Pistons and kind of get and do what they want. OG Ananobi getting a post up, going and you know doing a drop step, hitting a hook shot, and one. That type of stuff is super cool to see. The Raptors defensively had really ratcheted things up and doing a really good job of boxing out. Lowry was really getting in the mix, getting after a lot of defensive rebounds. And the same way that the 2016 Thunder really thrived when Westbrook was able to get a rebound and really jumpstart their transition and their offense, the Raptors, they really fed off of what Lowry was able to do after getting these rebounds and being really dangerous 94 feet of the court because he gets the ball and that outlet pass could be coming next or he's going to go up the floor and he's going to he's going to put a guy in jail behind him he's going to wait for the big to pass him in transition he's going to create a five on four advantage and he was doing that so often and he was still working with Ibaka in the one five pick and roll and I just thought he was doing a brilliant job of creating baskets for the Raptors both in the half court and in transition it was really masterful from Lowry and the Pistons, they did have a bit of a run in them, led by Derrick Rose, and he was able to get to the basket a little bit. Andre Drummond was still doing his thing, still obviously gobbling up a lot of rebounds. He had 18 in the game, he had 22 points, and, you know, he's going to get on the inside. He's going to do his thing. Bruce Brown had a couple back cuts, got into the paint a little bit. Luke Kennard, definitely not. And the Raptors, even though the Pistons are one of not by volume, but by percentage, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. The Raptors really stymied what they were able to do. Pascal Siakam, he blocked two of Griffin's three-point attempts, even though Griffin isn't a spectacular three-point shooter. It's just that embodies how the Raptors were getting out and closing out at the three-point line, really forcing the Pistons inside and doing a good job of contesting once they were in there. And man, the fourth quarter was a slog, both in play style and how long it took. Just the game, it took a long time to play out. There was a lot of comments on Twitter that were saying, you know, this game felt like five quarters were played. And there there was an aspect of that because of how many calls were made, and it just slowed the pace of the game down so much. And it was, it seemed like it was just Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, and uh, Serge Ibaka trading, making shots down the stretch. Pascal Siakam had a couple really nice plays. He had a three-point shot he made in the corner. He had some really nice isos, a nice post-up. It was nice to see that and passing well out of all of that as well, which is really cool to see. And Lowry had the ball a lot of the time, was really, you know, the master of the Raptors' offense and creating a lot of different looks. That's why we saw Siakam really get back to a lot of what made him very successful early on in the year. It's not just straight posting guys up or straight iso. It's being able to shape up off of Lowry's drives and Lowry being able to find him in space so Siakam can Siakam eats up space he's really good in it and being able to work off of other people's penetration makes it just makes him so much more dangerous that's why 26 points tonight 
on, you know, 23 shots. It's not crazy efficiency, but he was 6 of 11 from downtown. He wasn't crazy getting to the line. He, he wasn't having to force it and go and grind on the inside. He was really good defensively, and he was potent shooting from the outside in this one. And that's just being able to work off of Lowry. And the Raptors rode that ship until... Until it finally, they got it into the bay and, and docked it for the win. Lowry came home with a triple-double. Ibaka had 25-13. and 13. It, was, it was a really nice night, save for the injury to Marcus Saul and Norm Powell also with roughly two minutes left in the game. Got crunched on a screen by Blake Griffin and Luke Kennard. And it looked like he caught his shoulder. He was holding his shoulder. He's had shoulder problems in the past. And if I had to guess, just based on the reaction, it looks like he probably dislocated something. That's horrible news. And I'm not a doctor, so don't... And I certainly haven't been there to feel his shoulder and give a diagnosis. But that would be my guess, as much as you value that. But it's it's really terrible news for Norm, who's had his the best stretch of his career by some measure. And it's just... It's no fun for that to happen to a guy and... The Raptors have really come to rely on him in a lot of ways, and it's disappointing for that to happen, especially with Gasol going down as well. Gasol's injury looks less serious. It's just a guy pulling up lame. He's probably going to need some rest. He's played quite a bit, and the Raptors have relied on him quite a bit, so it might be just a rest thing for Gasol for a few games. Powell could have done some damage to that shoulder for sure. Not super great to see and definitely worrisome. The Reggie Evans Award for tonight goes to Serge Ibaka, as if it could go to anyone else. 25-13 and 13 is a hell of a stat line. And even though we saw Lowry hustling and doing a lot of the work offensively and even helping out a lot on the defensive glass, I thought it was fantastic. But Ibaka being willing to go in and battle against Andre Drummond, Andre Drummond makes a living of eating up other big men and killing other teams on the glass. And Having Ibaka go and battle him for this game and and do a really good job of doing so was really what helped save the Raptors in this one. Obviously, like I said, Lowry was fantastic, giving him an A-plus, saying his praises tonight, but I think um, Serge Ibaka had more of the the Reggie Evans ethos in this one, and I was really happy with his performance. He He was dynamite. And for the first time in quite a while, we have the Mitchell Robinson Award to give out, and it goes to Blake Griffin. Just because he is, he's a very elbow-esque player when he's in the post. He's definitely got a lot going on as far as, uh, he plays with a lot of contact. And that did end up being the reason why Powell, you know, his shoulder's injured now is because of Griffin, the way he plays. And it's, I'm not saying Griffin's a dirty player, it's just... The, he kept getting into altercations. There were a lot of bumps and bruises going on in this game, and it felt like something was going to come to a head. Luckily for Gasol, his wasn't a contact injury, but Powell's was disappointing to see and perfectly happy to pin part of the blame on Blake Griffin for this one. So he wins the Mitchell Robinson Award. And the top quick reaction comment from B. Herbs, quote, This game was a reminder that when guys come back from injury, they aren't going to be perfect, and piling on them with negativity is a pointless action. Unless you don't like 25 and 13, or triple doubles. Absolutely. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm an optimist, especially about Lowry, and I've written so many glowing articles and pieces about Serge Ibaka, and I think generally in my writing I am able to 
recognize and highlight what he does really well. I appreciate his game a lot, especially especially with these Raptors. And there was definitely a sentiment towards both of them, especially Lowry, especially Lowry, that they were disrupting something special with the Raptors that was happening while they're injured. I, of course, maintained that the Raptors' highest potential remains with Lowry and Ibaka. They're two of the five most important players on the team, without a doubt. It's a no-brainer in that way. And some people, you know, you, you get captured in the moment and you think, well, maybe, you know, Terrence Davis, Chris Boucher, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and we run an eight-man rotation with Van Vliet and Siakam carrying the Raptors all the way to the finals or something like that. I don't think that's sustainable, and I think that it's great that the Raptors were able to have such a, a hot pocket of success in that way, especially with all the injuries. But, man, if you think that the Raptors are better without Lowry, you and I are so far away on opinion as far as that goes. So, And same with Ibaka as well. So I just I don't see the game that way. I really like both those players, and I definitely think patience needed to be stressed when they were having a bit of trouble because they're they're so important and they're so good and deserve to be celebrated after a game like this. So B Herbs, I agree with you 100%. And uh, yeah, that, that spells the end of this podcast. By the way, there won't be a podcast, I don't think, for the Wizards game. As unfortunate as that is, I'll be on a flight at the time and Zarrar is busy as well, so I don't think that game will be covered. That should be the only game that we miss during the holiday season or anything like that during the season at all, I'm sure. So very sorry about that, but I just don't think it's going to get covered. I'm still trying to find somebody to see if they will, but it doesn't look likely. So unless there's a big uproar of people who comment that they want me to watch the game once I land and do the, the podcast, you know, 12 hours after the game has finished, I'd probably be open to that as long as there's enough support for it and there's enough people who want it that badly, then sure. Um, feel free to comment that and let me know. Otherwise, I hope you I hope you enjoyed listening to this, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at myhealthpolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at myhealthpolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.